Today, we are going to help you calculate how much money you really need in retirement. This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand. And Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. Welcome to the year of financial wellness. The first Friday of each month, our good friend, CFP VP at Morgan Stanley, Erica Cummings, joins the conversation. She has laid it out. She has laid out the plan for us. And if we follow it step by step, do what she gives us as our monthly homework. At the end of the year, we will reflect and we will realize that, man, we are in a good spot. We will feel financially confident. So thank you so much, Erica, for being so generous with your time with us every month. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. I look forward to it. Okay. How much money do we really need in retirement? This, even saying the word retirement, I can hear the eye rolls. Nobody's really thinking about retirement, but it is one of those things where everybody, no matter how financially stable you are, you fear you're not going to have enough. Well, it's funny because everybody is actually thinking about retirement. We think about it all the time. The problem is a lot of people feel as if it's an unattainable goal. Mm, okay. So everybody thinks about wanting to stop working at some point, or at least we should all be preparing for that because whether we want to or not, we are going to quote unquote age out. And it's a matter of finally sitting down and doing the work that most people are eye-rolling at. Either they're afraid to to look and see that doctor's appointment where you're afraid for a diagnosis or a plan that says to you, you have to stop eating poorly and exercise. That's the part that most people get nervous about. The actual not working, I think most people would be thrilled with. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll rephrase it. Saving for retirement. Is, yes, is... exactly. Or, or, or or let's say we are going behind the curtain of what it really means to be able to retire. That's the part that most people get very nervous. And, you know, those are those regret moments. I wish I had done something sooner. I wish I had done something different, et cetera. And so those, those emotions start to stir inside of you. And so you tend to avoid this topic altogether and you just go about your business every day. And then before you know it, a few more years have passed. And uh, that's what we're trying to avoid because, We know that every single year matters that we're planning. Okay. So before we get to, because you're going to help us how to calculate how much money we really need. So either once you calculate that number, you'll either feel really good, like, okay, I'm on the right path, or you'll feel like, oh, crap, I got to play some catch up here. But first, let's run through some of the basics. So at what age can we start taking money out without penalty from our 401k? So it depends on whether or not you remain with the money invested at the 401k or you roll the money out to an IRA. So a lot of 401k programs, if you've separated service in the year that you turn 55 and you leave a portion of that, of those funds at the actual company's retirement plan, you can take distributions at 55 without penalty. Now, there's some caveats there. The the 401k provider is required to take 20% out for federal taxes, whether or not you owe 20%. So, again, a lot of these get to that. This really depends on your situation. And 65 is awfully young for people to start taking distributions. But if if the money remains in the funds at the 401k, 
a lot of them allow for an earlier distribution than if you were to roll it out into an IRA. Okay. Once you turn 59 and a half, that's the magic number really that most people should be thinking of. 59 and a half is when you can take your funds from your IRAs, your 401ks, 403bs, whatever your retirement plan is without penalty. Okay. And now Social Security, talk to us about that. Because you have a choice of when you can start receiving Social Security, right? Yes. So the current system, and I always say current because this is a system that is eventually going to have to change, but the current system allows for distributions for everybody at age 62. That's an early distribution. Then you have what's called your normal retirement age, your full retirement age, which means at that point you can take your Social Security without any deduction in your benefit, and I'll talk about that in a second, and then you have age 70. So when you look at your Social Security statement, we don't get them mailed anymore. The government is not actually physically mailing them for a variety of reasons, saving trees and saving money. But if you go online to uh, www.ssa.gov, you can set up a profile for yourself and actually view or print the statements that we used to receive annually. And on that statement, it will show the amount that you would receive at age 62, the amount you'll receive at your full retirement, and the amount that you'll receive at age 70. So your full retirement is based upon the birth, the year of your birth. So For some people, it might be 66. For some people, it might be 66 in six months. It might be 66 in eight months. When this was changed in the mid-80s, the oldest that any of us will be at full retirement is 67. And that's the current plan because there's a lot of debate over whether or not that, that age needs to be increased because we're living so much longer. But at the current plan, most people reach full retirement between 66 and 67 years old. That means you're getting 100% of your benefit. At 62, though, do you have to actually retire to, to start getting the Social Security if you were to opt to, here, let me start getting this at 62? Do you have to stop working or you can opt to receive this benefit while you're still working? Well, you can. T- there's nothing saying you can't take it, but you can't earn a lot. Okay. So there are extremely low. So in other words, when I say can't earn a lot and it changes each year, you can't earn more than it's $15,000 and change a year. Mm. And if you earn more than that, then for every $2 you earn over that, you lose $1 of your Social Security. So if you're making $60,000 a year, you're just going to pay the entire amount back because you won't be able to qualify for that social security because you're making too much money. So essentially for every $2 you earn over that maximum amount, you have to give a dollar of your social security back. By the time you're done, you're giving the entire thing back anyway. So if you're working and you're 62, don't even think about it. Unless you are making very, very, very little. Okay. Very, very little. Not only that, but you're locking in a social security benefit that's 20 to 25% less than your full benefit. Most people that take it at 62 take it because they have to. So they are retiring and they have no other income source than this social security. Perhaps they haven't saved a lot and they absolutely need 
to take the Social Security early. It is not something that we, we would typically recommend. However, a lot of people do. And it depends on someone's situation. Maybe they physically cannot do the job that they're working at now. You know, perhaps they were laid off and they're having a hard time finding another job. There's a lot of reasons why people do it, but it is not recommended unless you have to. Okay. And then the longer it takes to, to receive that benefit, the more money you get. Yeah. So every year between 62 and the year that you reach your full retirement, obviously you get closer and closer to that full amount. Then after your full retirement, every year from let's say it's 66 to age 70, you get an increase of 8%, which is substantial. Okay. At 70, there's no point in not taking it because you're, it's not increasing anymore. There are various reasons why people wait until 70. There's lots of reasons why people choose not to wait till 70, but it really depends on your situation. But at the very least, we try and, and encourage people to get as close to that full retirement age as possible. Okay. So now, how much money do we really need in retirement? You can factor in the money that's in your 401k. You can factor in some of this Social Security money. When you do retire, how do we calculate what we really need? Because we've all heard all the suggestions out there, the experts saying, okay, well, live off of 4% per year. Or, you know, at age 30, you should have a a year salary saved by 50, six times your salary saved, yeah. and then you'll be fine. What do you say? How can we easily calculate? So the 4% part is kind of putting the cart before the horse. So if we look at some of the, the conventional wisdom out there, you, you've heard it, like you just said, you need to have a million dollars or you should have 10 to 12 times your income and savings. First of all, these figures can be just so daunting. Mm-hmm. They cause panic. They cause denial. They cause dread. I mean, when you hear seven figures, when you hear 10 to 12 times your salary, this is when, like we said earlier, people just start to bury their head in the sand and say, why, why am I? I'm just going to work the rest of my life. The reality is the number is different for every single person. So there's no magic number. There's always going to be the averages out there or, you know, experts trying to give you something to strive for because a lot of people don't get advice from anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I really want the audience to understand that this number is so customized to you as an individual because your situation is so different. That being said, there are some ways that you can on your own try and determine this. There's no magic number, number one. There's an optimal number for you. And it is really based on how you're living right now. So there's more conventional wisdom there that you have to have, let's say, 80. You want to plan for 80% of your pre-retirement income. So let's say you're, you're um, making $50,000 a year and the conventional wisdom says you should plan for 40000 that you would spend 40000 in retirement. Now, I would argue based upon my experience that that may not always be true. If some of the plans you have in retirement involve travel and doing things that you normally do every Saturday and the vacation time that you have, it's, it's Saturday every day and it's 52 weeks vacation every single year. That's, that's the reality of retirement. So a lot of times what we see is in the first decade or so that people retire, they actually end up spending almost as much as they were spending when they were working. 
Ah, because yeah. they're trying to enjoy, you know, they're, they're thinking, okay, I'm going to get older at some point. I won't be able to travel. I won't be able to do these things. So let's pack as much as we can in while we're young and we're able. Sure. Live life now that work stress isn't uh, bogging exactly. you down. Exactly. Okay. Yes. You're not, you're not attached to this. I only get two to three weeks vacation or, you know, I have to work my nine to five and I only have Saturday and Sunday to get things done. So one of the things that we try to say is you're only lying to yourself when you make these numbers smaller. So if you start off your calculations saying, well, I make $60,000 a year now, but I can cut this out and cut that out and do this and do that. And before you know it, I'm down to 30. I promise you that if you set unrealistic expectations, that you are going to, you'll fail because you're going to go into retirement and you're going to go from having a lifestyle where if you want to go to dinner every now and then you can, and now you're going to have more free time and tell yourself you're not going out to dinner. So, so we want to be as realistic as possible. I'd much rather see you work an extra couple of years than end up in a situation where you're second guessing every single expenditure in retirement. I was going to say, you probably want to inflate that number. If you want to set a goal for yourself, right, and work hard at a number. Yeah, you want to at least be as realistic as possible. So take a look at your budget and say, and this is where things could be better. So let's say you have a mortgage that you're going to be paying off in the next five, six, seven, ten years. Or you have almost adult children at home. The hope is that they become productive members of society and they're (laughs) able to take care of themselves at some point. Anybody who has growing boys in their house know how much it costs to feed them. And if you're helping to pay for college, if you're paying for car loans, things like that for your kids, that you know, there's a reasonable, uh, that, that you can reasonably gather that you're not going to be doing that for the rest of their lives. And like I said, things like mortgages, those types of things that you can say, okay, if I'm spending 4000 a month, this will go away permanently. I'm not going to have a mortgage for the rest of my life. I will have my property taxes. I will have my homeowner's insurance, but I won't have the actual mortgage. Or if you're paying for college for the kids, they will eventually not be going to college anymore. So those payments will go away. You take a look at your budget today and you say, these are the things that I know without fail are going to go away. Don't do things like I'm not going to be paying for parking because guess what? Parking will now be an extra time you're going out to dinner Mm, mm -hmm. or I won't be paying for dry cleaning. Well, dry cleaning will be another round of golf that you get to fit in. So those are the types of things that we want to kind of keep padded because you're going to be doing more things. And this is the whole point of working hard is that you're going to be doing things that you enjoy. So let's not penny pin on some of these discretionary, more variable expenses. So you go through the list and you look at the things that you know for sure you will be eliminating. And then the rest, I would say, I would account for. It may be in a different bucket than it is now, but I would certainly say that you probably will be spending roughly about what you're spending in retirement with exception to, like I said, some of those fixed payments that you'll have paid off. So once you're done, you'll have a reasonable number at that point. So it might be... If you're making $60,000 a year, the mortgage is going to be paid off. The kid's college is done. It might be 50. So now you have the goal. That is, that is what generates the entire plan is how much do I need? Then we have certain calculators that you can use online that you can start to plug things in. Once 
you have the goal of 50000 The next thing to look at is, okay, what am I going to use to cover this 50000 We start to look at Social Security. We start to look at whether or not you have a pension. Do you have rental income? Is there other income sources that you have coming in? That comes off the top right away. So if you have 50000 and you're getting $24,000 in Social Security, you're left with having to cover $26,000 a year. That number, that what's left after income sources are accounted for, is what your savings and investments need to generate each year. And for most of us, those investments are our retirement plans. When you retire, when you stop working, you then roll over that money into an IRA, right? You don't have to, but it's definitely recommended because most people have zero guidance from the 401k provider that they're working with. Mm. And I mean, especially when you're working for a large company, you're just calling a 1-800 number anytime that you, and they're not going to say to you, no, I wouldn't do that. They're just going to do whatever you tell them to do. So essentially you're not, you're not getting any advice. So yes, most people will roll it out. Even if they do it themselves, they will roll it out into an IRA, um, And that's when the difference between the 55 and the 59 and a half comes into place. Okay. And then at that point, how, because if we're calculating how much money we need in retirement, that number, you know, because it's invested is going to fluctuate based on where Mm -hmm. the market is. So how do we get a good gauge of how much money really is going to be there? It's really dependent on the person's situation. So I have clients that have an incredible tolerance for risk. Believe it or not, they'll lose more in the years that the market is down, but the market is up 75% of the time. But then I have people that are so conservative, they can't handle having hardly anything in the market. So that's why it's so dependent on a person's situation. And my job 90% of the time is to hold their hands when the market is, is tough because it's not going to be this perfect percentage every single year. It's an average annual return. So... Last year, clients got hammered at the end of the year. This year, they're up 10%. So it's the average, and it's based on rolling time periods going back 100 years that we can say, okay, the average return over a 30-year time period given this asset allocation has been this. And that's what we work with. Expect lower, and then you'll be happy if it's higher. Exactly. Because when you retire, you have no idea. You could be retiring during when the market is down. And now that money that you thought you had isn't really all there. Well, at that point, at that point, at that point, you stay invested. That's the hard part is people pull their money out. So now, yes, it has become real losses. But if you don't touch it or don't touch more than the percentage that you're supposed to touch, that money will recover. We call it paper losses because it's never real unless you've actually sold it. So don't let that scare you. Right. Ever. Oh, gosh, no. And that's nine. Like I said, that's 80 to 90 percent of what I do is behavioral management. So many people that have 401ks, there are tools and calculators available on the actual 401k website. And what's nice about using those is they know the investments that you have in your 401k. So the calculator is looking at what you have in your current 401k. So the return assumptions are going to be a little bit more accurate than if you were just 
kind of trying to figure it out on your own. Okay. And then how much, so if there is, you know, when you retire, the year that you retire and you stop working and then you you see that the your retirement account isn't as large, should you offset that by a cash emergency fund? So what we typically, uh, for our clients, what we have is um, cash and bonds as a certain percentage of their portfolio. Bonds are pretty safe too. Um, and what we say is that we want to have at least, at minimum, most of my clients have seven plus years, but at a minimum, five years worth of distributions in quote-unquote safe investments. So that let's say we have a significant bear market and we still need to give you $26,000 a year from your portfolio. The 26000 comes from the part of the portfolio that's in bonds and cash, not the stock portion. So if you had $1,000 or 1,000 shares of a particular stock that was worth $1,000, now it might be worth $700, but it's only worth $700 on paper because you still have a thousand shares because we didn't have to sell that part of the portfolio mm. because we had this safer stuff to sell from. Okay. And then that thousand shares is ready to recover when the market recovers. And bear market, the market's down, bull market is market's up. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's up three quarters of the time. Okay, so the calculator on our retirement plan is a good go-to. Are there any other calculators online that you feel are worth looking into? Um, one called womensfinancialacademy.com. That, I mean, a man can use it too, but it's, it is a women's site that has a bunch of different calculators on it. And in these types of calculators, they, they ask you, okay, how much do you want to spend a year? You'll say $50,000. How much do you have coming in an income? And all said and done, they'll tell you, um, you know, how long the money will last. And that's another factor that's difficult for people is longevity. This is one we really can't figure out. None of us know when we're going to die. So we have to figure out okay, when's the plan's end date. So if I say you need to spend, you want to spend $50,000 a year and you're getting 6% return on your investments and you have this much in Social Security, we still need to know for how long do we need to have this plan work? And that's another difficult one. We generally say that women will be living until they're 93, 94 years old, and men until they're about 90, 91. And a lot of people might be listening right now thinking I'm crazy, but this is not numbers that we've pulled out of the air. This is current insurance mortality tables that are also taking into account that medical advancements will continue over the next 10 years, over the next 20 years. So if you're in your 50s right now, just think about 30 years ago and how much better we are at being able to prolong life expectancies than we were just 30 years ago. So imagine when you're in your 80s, how much better we're going to be in prolonging life expectancy. I would much rather have somebody expect and want to live a long life and plan for that than to put 85 as the end date and all of a sudden you live well past it and your last few years are extremely stressful. And I think that's where the fear comes in of not having enough is, okay, how much are medical costs? Obviously, you're going to have to be paying for more medicine and more doctor's visits when you're older. And where am I going to get this money from? Can I pull it from, you know, my retirement account or Social Security? You're right. That's that's the scary part. So these calculators help you figure all that out? Yeah, the calculators allow you to, uh, nothing's going to be perfect. 
You're not going to have a per- anybody's plan, whether you do it on your own with a calculator or whether you work with a financial advisor. And I will say that, you know, the closer you get to retirement, the more important having an advisor becomes because these are not just financial decisions, but they're emotional decisions. Yeah. So it's really, really hard. I've heard many, many times from people, I'm not living that long. I'll never live that long. Shoot me if I live that long. Who wants to live that long? You need to have an unbiased person there saying, yes, but there's a really good likelihood. And then when I say, well, how long have your parents lived? Oh, this one lived till 90. There's a good chance. And yeah. you know, we're not allowed to just end it. So, and you may not want to end it. You might be very happy at 87 years old. And it is very hard to tell yourself if you are not the happiest person going into work every day that you may have to work a year or two longer. But to have someone tell you, but here's what the outcome's going to be. Here's how much better things are going to look. Or let's look at some alternatives like part-time work. Or many different variables are involved in this decision. But what happens is people don't want to hear something negative or they don't want to, they're afraid that they just haven't done the right thing. And so we do kind of revert revert back to our childhood where it's just better to deny, it's better to, you know, hope nobody figures it out and we're just going to wing it. And so many people just walk out of work without ever calculating any of this. It's either that or we're looking and craving for somebody to say, you're going to be okay. So even there are some people who are going to be just fine, but they are still insecure because they need to hear it from somebody. Exactly. Okay. And again, if you're getting to a point where your situation is a bit more complicated, without a doubt, you should be seeking out some professional advice because you may have to make decisions if you're, if you're not on track. So if you all of a sudden start to put this information into these calculators and it's not spitting out the answers that you wanted to see, mm-hmm. again, the response should not be to just ignore it, think it's wrong, or just say it'll work out somehow. Try a new calculator is, first. Yeah, Make sure exactly, that... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or I'm going to go back next week. Maybe the, maybe yeah. it'll be different next maybe week. Maybe it changes, right? Exactly. Something is wrong with that calculator. Or, you know, there's always that lottery winning that I could possibly get. So <laughs> the answer is to figure out now more than anything, okay, what, what do I do to fix this? And I think we touched on this with our last podcast about how, you know, it's never too late, but yeah, you have to make some decisions that you may not love. And again, this is where having somebody to say, you may not love this, but this is what it will look like if you do this. And that encouragement that, you know, somebody giving you guidance saying, yes, this is not the optimal situation, but it isn't it isn't just black and white, one or the other. It isn't, yeah. you can retire or you can't. But that's where a lot of people go to. If the number looks bad, I, well, I can't retire. No, you can retire. You just can't retire with the figures that you put in. So what are some of the ways that we can make things look better? Uh, okay. And obviously one of the most basic things is to retire a bit later. There's also the option of revisiting that budget again. And that's why in the beginning of the year, I stressed how much of an importance that it's to know what your budget is, because if we have to start looking for ways to save more, it all goes back to where is that excess cash that we can tap into that's being spent in other areas that maybe aren't necessary. And that's the other thing. If you see in black and white that saving 
X percentage more or, you know, $1,000 more or whatever it might be means that you can retire this much earlier or you can spend this much more in retirement. That will make you think twice about that latte at Starbucks or Mm -hmm. it'll make you think twice about buying that extra pair of shoes. When you don't have a definitive plan in place, then you don't realize the true opportunity cost of every financial decision you make. Because at that point, you're just winging it. You don't realize that every single pair of shoes adds up and every single lunch that you don't eat you know, in the office that you made at home counts. And so when you have a plan that shows you that just this much more in savings will end up leading to this, or if you don't, if you decide to bring your lunch to work every single day this month, that means that you get a couple of extra dinners in retirement. You start to look at things differently. And when you're in your 20s, that instant gratification versus long-term gratification is really hard because we're talking 40-plus years. But when you get into your 50s, it's not so much instant versus long-term. It's instant versus almost instant. And so you really start to reevaluate how you're, you're allocating your resources. Okay, so our monthly homework then from you would be this month we have to just plug in our numbers in the calculator and really have a practical view of how much we're going to need each year in retirement. Yeah, so the so number one, the very first thing you need to do is to figure out what you think you'll be spending in retirement. It's the hardest question because people don't know where to begin. I gave you kind of a blueprint where you start with what you're spending now and you look at those expenses that you absolutely know unequivocally will be eliminated in retirement. If there's a question, so for example, I really hesitate to have people eliminate their car payments. We're talking 20 plus years of retirement. You are most likely going to have a car payment again. Mm. So to say, oh, my car payment will be paid off in two years and to assume that you will never have another car payment for the next 20 plus years is unrealistic. But once the mortgage is gone, the mortgage is gone. Once the kids are done with college and you're done making those payments, that's done. So if you unequivocally know that those particular budget items will be eliminated, then I would take them out. Then I would look at the rest of my budget and probably assume that most of what I'm spending now, I will be spending in retirement. I just will be spending them in different ways. And then you'll have that that magic number, so to speak. You want to then say, where are my income sources? You need to get that retirement or social security information. You need to make sure you have your valuations from your various investments. So make sure you have all your account statements. Make sure you have your social security statement. Everything that's going to be there as a resource to help offset that number that you came up with. Then you go to the calculators because the things that become really difficult for people to account for is inflation and things like that. And this is where those calculators really help or an advisor has obviously all these tools available as well. So we want to find out how much the number is and we want to find out all the resources that we have. If you decide to really dig in, which I don't think is a difficult thing to do, you can use some of these calculators and you can start to see, okay, where are things shaking out? If you're coming up short, the next thing to do is go back to that budget and say, okay, where can I start today to start finding some additional cash flow for savings? 
or while you're on the calculator, okay, well, I have 65 in here. What does 66 look like? You'd be shocked what a year can do. So start to see, just see where you're at and start to see what different choices you make going forward will do to that plan. And then we can talk in the future about, okay, how do we get back on track? How do we revisit these goals? Maybe stretching out retirement, reducing the amount that you're going to spend in retirement, um, you know, starting to get more realistic because this isn't going away. As you get closer to retirement, the stress level becomes pretty significant. It's one of the biggest reasons people have a hard time sleeping at night as they get closer to retirement. Yeah, this is good. And if you need um, additional advice, Morgan Stanley, Erica Cummings, if you just search her name, right? Or do you have a phone number you can give us? If you just, if you Google my name, they'll get right to my website. Okay. So Erica Cummings, VP at Morgan Stanley, CFP, and go back, scroll back to every first Friday of every month. That's her plan. Every month we get a, a little assignment to do. And again, at the end of the year, if we follow Erica's plan, Erica's strategy, we will feel so good. And that's the goal. That's what we're all striving for is that feeling of ah, oh, just confidence. It's this huge weight off your shoulders. It is. And I will say just as an end note, this is an uncomfortable month. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This particular topic for a lot of people, there's a lot of getting out of your comfort zone, facing fears, facing things that you have had a really hard time even discussing for a lot of them. I just want to encourage you to do this because you have no choice but to do this. And I promise you, I've never had somebody when they're done going through this process say to me that they regretted it because just knowing is, is a weight off your shoulders. It is far, far worse to sit in the universe with the unknown when the inevitable is going to happen. It's one thing to say ignorance is bliss if we don't know that there's a potential for something to actually happen. We know at some point we have no choice but to stop working. Whether it's going to be our choice or someone else's, our our bodies are going to give out. We are going to age out. So this is not a matter of if. This is a matter of when. So this is going to be an uncomfortable process for some of you but I promise you that you will feel far more comfortable after you've done it. Once you have just an answer, it immediately takes the weight off your shoulders. And it changes your outlook on every decision you make going forward for the good. Okay. CFP VP at Morgan Stanley, Erica Cummings. We'll chat again next month. Yes, we will. There's always so much great information to digest when Erica joins the conversation. Hopefully, it's helping you feel a little bit more comfortable with your financial situation. Okay, next week on the Seven Figures podcast, I'm really looking forward to this one because this is another topic a lot of people have questions about. Elder law attorney Lisa Powers joins the conversation. You have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you next Friday. We raise a glass, and we proudly say, Cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. 
New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women.